gorgeous Georgian goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes reporting for duty here on a Thursday, ready to chat mixed martial arts with you for the next hour or so. We also have a, a guest, Bilal Muhammad, UFC welterweight. He'll be joining us on the program. We'll see what's up next with him. He's coming off a win a few weeks ago over Leon Edwards. Puts him in a nice spot as a title contender for the rest of the year, early to 2023, all depending on when the champ comes back because the champ, the champ has got Leon Edwards. Sorry, I mistakenly said Leon Edwards. He beat Vicente, Vicente Luque. So the champ's got Leon Edwards when he's ready to come back. Ghost spotted something the other day, by the way. Um, everybody thought that on, on the week of International Fight Week, it may be Usman versus Edwards, but Ghost spotted something the other day, and it doesn't appear to be that way. It looks like maybe Israel Adesanya might be your headliner. So we'll talk about all that. And uh, we'll have Bilal on the show, and then lots going on because it's UFC. It's a fight week. It's UFC 274. So let me just give you this quick reminder, which I'll probably give two or three times throughout the show. Goes and I will be hosting a watch-along on Saturday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Check it out. As always, we'll be with you for nine fights, four on the featured prelims, five on the pay-per-view. If you don't want to order the pay-per-view, we got you. We'll be your eyes and ears. You don't have to hit Twitter refresh. You don't have to look at anybody's play-by-play or anything like that. We'll tell you what's happening. All right, just to get it out of the way, the other day, Detective Goes had spotted something on social media, and it was a char- it was a that war room that the UFC has where when Dana White's doing his interviews, he's often looking to his left or to his right because he's surrounded by information. And one of them is the card they're building for the summer, which would be, I guess, UFC 276, because this is 274 on Saturday. 275 is the one in Singapore with Valentina and uh, I think Glover and Joanna and, and, and Zhang Weili. They battle there. So two title fights and a featured bout. And then 276 would be International Fight Week. That's when they do you know, all of the autograph signings, fighter meetups, and the Hall of Fame. So for that one, we kept hearing Usman versus Edwards, Usman versus Edwards, but Ghost Ghost spotted something the other day, and it looks like Cannoneer versus Adesanya is maybe looking more likely. And then uh, another rumor we've been hearing is possibly Shamaya versus Nate. So Nate's going to get his his, uh, final fight, I guess. You know the UFC wants him to fight Connor, but maybe Connor's not ready. And remember, Connor got hurt last year in July, and they said, "Oh, one year, he'll be back in one year." Well, it doesn't look like he's coming back in one year because otherwise, I think him and Nate would be on that board. And so, you know, kind of a lot of moving pieces here. I just didn't want to forget that, that one. But uh, if you want to hire Detective Goes Services, contact them. You can hit them up on social media at the Goes on Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> well, I guess someone actually else was the one that saw that and then it came across your lap goes that pick. Yeah, I'm more just uh social media browser goes. But yeah. Oh, I see. Okay. That was pretty pretty interesting. Um I don't know how he let something like that slip though. Like, I mean, how many of these has he done before? And I know this has happened in the past, but I found that to be pretty interesting cuz like 
when you think about how much money is behind Diaz and McGregor, mm-hmm. um, that is like your last case scenario, uh, putting him up against Shamaya. Because basically what you're saying is with one fight left, we need that guy to lose because we don't want him to go- leave the UFC on a win. It's going to make us look really, really bad. So um, for them to even consider putting that fight together, it means the other one is just way out of their control. They can't make it happen. Well, he could possibly lose to Connor. He's lost to him once. Yeah, but but you make a ton of money along the way, right? Oh, so you I just see. Yeah. It. But it, you know, but, that's uh, the weirdest Shemayev, thing for him. I'm sorry? I said Shamayev's not going to generate that kind of money, so basically what they're saying is we need to make this guy look terrible on his way out. It's it, Well, you, you would think that Nate would be motivated by if he's – pissed off at the UFC, then why wouldn't he want to take out their top star? He's got to be full of confidence that he can beat McGregor in the trilogy. I mean, I think he shows up to every fight thinking he can win that fight. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I don't get it. It's something that boggles my mind how a company that probably makes you know, at least 50 to 100 million I guess on a McGregor weekend or could when you really, really like talk about the gate and the pay-per-views, remember the pay-per-views are a whole other scale now with ESPN. I don't know, man. And then all the residuals that come out of something like that. I, I, you know, why do they quarrel with Nate Diaz over 500,000 or a million or 2 million? Or I don't know. Somehow I'm telling you, this is the equation. He wants to fight Jake Paul. I get. I don't know how much Jake Paul is going to fight. Uh, pay him. I really don't. Woodley got two million. Maybe Diaz says I won't box you for anything less than five. I don't know. But uh, I still feel like he could fight Poirier, McGregor, and Jake Paul. All of them, boy. All of them, honestly. And I don't think Jake Paul would go. Ah, you're coming off a loss or whatever. He he don't give a fuck. Askren was coming off a devastating loss. Woodley came off four straight and five if you want to include the first Jake Paul. So I don't think he needs a hot ticket to box somebody. He just needs a name, and Nate Diaz will always be a name. So I think that's the thing, though. I, I think um I think Jake's smart in the sense that he likes to attach himself to titles. And just and if you're not gonna have a title, then you, you gotta be, you know, somewhat looking good. But with uh, but but you're right. I I do think all that can be put to the side the second they get in each other's face and do something stupid, right? Yeah, exactly. I I I just I want these fighters to make as much money as possible, and I, I think I think Diaz could do all three. I think all three could be negotiated. Okay, I know you want me and Connor in the stadium, cool. And you also want, but I also want to fight Jake Paul as soon as possible, cool. But uh, check it out. I'm gonna do this. You just pay me a little extra. We're gonna fight, and I and goes. Here's the weird thing, man. And I know we're gonna get into it here in a second because I'm gonna pivot to Gagey. I thought I wanted to talk Ferguson first, but we might as well fit pivot to Gagey and and Diaz, and then we can do Ferguson. But uh, I think it's not crazy to think Nate Diaz could win all three. So for one, I think it is to win all three. Yeah. Okay, look, he's going to throw hands with Poirier, 
right? And Poirier's got some really, really nice hands. But what does Poirier, what did he recently tap out to? A submission. You know, like, it, it, it. Nate Diaz can sub your ass if he wants to. You know, he doesn't start. He doesn't look for it. It's not like he blows through you with a double leg or he does a Tony, Tony Ferguson ankle pick, you know, or he puts you up against the cage and does these, you know, he's got a couple tosses and trips and stuff like that. He That's not his plan, man. He shows up to throw the ball. He wants to go long, you know. He starts off with four wide receivers. And says, All of you go long. I don't even need anybody to, to stay short. He likes to throw bombs. He likes to throw his hands. And if somewhere along the line you go for the takedown, like McGregor in round three in the first fight, or we come upon it. Hey, all right. I'm a jiu-jitsu black belt, you know, and I'm high level. I'm going to go for it, you know. But so I just think he's got the ability to, you know, to throw hands with with Dustin. And and if it, if it needs to resort to the submission game, resort to the submission game. Now, that said, I'd probably take Dustin. You know, I, I get it. I'm just saying he could. And then with Connor. He could be 2-0 against him. I mean, he clearly beat him the first time because it was a submission. And the second time, it went to, not sure if it was a split, but I know it was a close decision. <clears throat> so that's winnable. I was about to say, plus he'd be catching him off a one-year layoff, but technically Nate hasn't fought since June of 2021, one, one month before Connor. So he's on a longer layoff. It's just he's not coming back from a broken leg. And then boxing Jake Paul, I get it, you know, I think we all have a little bit more respect for Jake Paul, but at the same time, uh, Diaz isn't going to tire, and Diaz has really, really immersed himself in boxing at times throughout his career. Lately, no, probably not, but I think he would in preparation, and I don't think he'd just be going up against like the last few opponents that were mostly wrestlers who only boxed to apply it to their, you know, to round out their MMA skills, whereas I feel Nate is really, really done a lot of boxing i think we all have nate diaz blinders um i think we just fall for the hype I think he's a good fighter but he's getting older we always look at him as nick diaz his younger brother but that doesn't mean he's not getting older and if you look at his record i'm looking at, at it right now like his last four wins were gray maynard michael johnson connor you got to give him props for that and then and the anthony pettis win i thought was a good one those were his last four wins. But his losses have been to Connor. He got obliterated by Jorge Masvidal. Leon Edwards was taking it to him till like the last couple seconds of that fight. RDA, Josh Thompson, Benson Henderson. And then, then after that, you go back as Windsor, Jim Miller, Donald Cerrone, Takanari Gomi. I don't see. Well, let's talk about the last few. Let's. Well, I mean, I, 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 that's now you're getting into about a decade. I get that. So we're not. I'm talking about any of those guys. I don't see greatness there. So I just think he's just a, he's just a Leon Edwards. But on he's top, fighting for the title. Lost. No, but he lost that fight. I'm talking about the guys he beat. Oh, guys he beat. Yeah. Well, so, Gray Maynard, you're not giving him credit for that. I think he was undefeated when he fought Gray Maynard, or somewhere around there. Or, or maybe he was only coming off the Edgar losses. He was pretty tough. I mean, look how long ago that was. That's that's, that's my point. Is I think we're just all kind of falling for. He's a big name, so we assume he's just this great fighter. But honestly, his, his record's not that good. I don't know. Well, yeah, no, it's not. It's not. A, it's not a pleasant record for sure. Yeah, I get that. Um, I'm just saying they're all winnable. I'm not saying, hey, make that your parlay. I'm just saying they're all winnable if he really applied himself for the next two years. 
I think he could sail off in the sunset with a ton of money and a huge scoreboard, man, to beat those three guys, Poirier, McGregor, and, and Jake Paul. And I think I think the UFC wants him to fight McGregor, and that's why they won't give him the Poirier fight. But since he won't do it, then I think that's why they're saying, okay, you get Shemayev, mm-hmm. which makes no sense, honestly. That, um, I think that's is, exactly what, what they're doing. That's Shemayev's exactly. tickled to death because he's fighting someone that's really not that interested and is a huge name. Um, and I guess he avoids Colby or Muhammad and who knows what's going on with Colby and this lawsuit and brain damage. And I don't know, but, um, yeah, I mean, I guess Shamayev could fight Colby and still fight, sorry, could fight Nate and, and still fight Colby in Abu Dhabi in October, which had been the rumor because Shamayev is an active fighter. And I don't think Shamayev will really take too much damage from a fight like this. I, I see. I see McDonald versus Diaz. Remember when he got tossed around yeah. over and over? Uh, but what a misplay, man, of, of his hand, in my opinion. Well, I'd like to talk to a manager and just ask them, how much money is outside of being in the UFC's grasp? You know, what are fighters actually missing out on? Like, does, does Nate Diaz know, all right, if I'm free, I fight Jake Paul, but along with that comes... 10 million from crypto or like what kind of deals are these people missing? Yeah, you're right. That's that's a good question. That's those are great questions. So maybe we'll seek to do that. We know quite a few managers and uh, I, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know the answer to that, but you're right. That, that maybe him and maybe he's thinking I'll fight Jake Paul or I'll box Jake Paul. And if I beat him, He's going to want to fight a rematch, so right away, that's another two to five million or whatever. So he's probably seeing big paydays. And I guess, you know, I, you know, now when we move to Ferguson, remind, it, remind me to start off with this. Some of these fighters just get disgusted with UFC. I always say they're pimping you out. Pimp them back. You know, like they really are pimping you out in a way. You know, Ferguson used another analogy, and I've used that one as well, the, 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 the drug dealers, the cartels. But... um. I still feel like, well, while you're under contract, which, by the way, you're a man just like me. You signed the, you know, to agree to these terms. So guess what? You know, like you have to bear some of that responsibility. It's not just on them. But uh, all right, let's move to I want to go in order. So we'll go next to Gagey because Gagey and Diaz, I guess, had had an exchange going all the way back to when Gagey lost to Habib. Nate Diaz made fun of him getting triangled uh, from top position. Uh, Diaz, or, you know, Gagey obviously was devastated that he didn't win the world title. But I, I don't remember it being such a big deal back then. But I guess it it recently came up again because they've they've chirped at each other on social media. Is that what you were telling me? Uh, somebody, asked, somebody asked him about... Uh... Something about that, yeah. It just kind of brought it all back again. They asked him about Nate Diaz and Shemaev and if he had yeah. a chance, you know. Yeah, and so this is when he's brought up the 15 losses that he's had and that, uh, you know, he's pretty much just jealous. He says, I'm a world champion, which he is. He was a WSOF champion, which is now considered PFL. They changed their name. I also consider it a major promotion belt. And he's proven it because he's come over 
to the UFC and done well enough that he's fighting for the belt a second time. So you can't go, oh, come on, man. He was over there. Yeah, okay. Well, whatever was happening over there, he's already proven he's one of the, the best by being in the UFC and taking out some of the guys that were over here. So it's a belt, man. That's just the way it works. Strike Force is a major belt. Bellator is a major belt. Pride was a major belt. However back you want to go. Not all of them. Not all of them were considered like that. But a lot of them are belts that I think a lot of the guys should be proud of. I think I brought up Frank Triggs' icon belt. You know, he beat Jason Miller at the time, and Jason Miller was on a roll, and he almost was set to defend it against Robbie Lawler before Robbie Lawler took him out, but he was up on the judges' scorecards. I was there. I was in the corner. So, yeah, some of these are, are major belts. Some more major than others. I would consider winning a strike force belt more major than winning that icon belt, but it's still a belt. And guess what? I think I've even said it on the show. Guilty, man. I think I mentioned that Nate Diaz was a former WEC champ, and, and I realized about a year ago that I was wrong. Nate Diaz was a former WEC champ. Sorry, Nick Diaz was a former WEC champ. Nate never won that belt. Nate fought for that belt. I think lost to Hermes Franca. Remember him, goes? Yeah. And, and then he became, and then he went on the Ultimate Fighter. And then he was the Ultimate Fighter, which, by the way, I also give respect to Ultimate Fighter winners. He did win that. He did fight for the belt in the UFC against Benson, but came up short. But he's never been a champ. Now, if you ask Nate Diaz, I don't think he cares. Um, I think he cares a little, but he'll never publicly tell you that. But I don't think he cares because I think he's the famous Nate Diaz with tons of followers and scored some big paydays, you know, became a needle mover. But I think there's still something about when you probably walk into a gym, either your brothers like Nick or maybe Gills or when Jake Shields had a gym, just anywhere. And you kind of see a belt. I bet you there's just that one moment where you go, that, that kind of probably would have been cool for me to have won one of those somewhere, you know, mm-hmm. and he hasn't. So if that was Gagey's little needle back, okay. Because Gaethje does have the 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 one belt, and he could win on Saturday. Uh, we'll talk more about that in a sec. Reminder: we have a watch along. Saturday, May seventh, eight p.m. Eastern, five p.m. Pacific. Nine fights. Come check it out over on MMA Junkie. It's it doesn't get any easier than just come to the website, and we'll be there ready for you. So yeah, it goes these guys are uh, kind of going at it there. You know, I bet you Gaethje wish, wishes that. Um, he could be in big fights like that, but he's not far away, man. If he beats Oliveira, you don't think McGregor's going to want a piece of Gagey for a title? Yeah. So, anyway. All right, let's talk about another major beef. Ferguson. Tony Ferguson did media, and former colleague John Morgan, he asked him about... He asked him a few questions, and then he brought up Dana White privilege. It was a, a... phrase that was coined by tony ferguson last year and it was basically talking about how michael chandler had gotten uh, michael chandler had gotten a lot of opportunities really quick so he called it dana white privilege which is a playoff of white privilege now at the time i think a lot of people the reason they giggled is because that just happens to be Dana White's name, last name. But when I was reading a little bit of the transcript of what Ferguson was saying, he said two things that now lead me to believe that it, the reason he's pissed off and he was 
kind of mad at John for bringing it up and that John shouldn't laugh at it. In fact, anyone shouldn't laugh at it. Is it, it, it sounds obviously now that maybe it was meant racial or it's become racial because he said um, Dana Brown privilege, he said. And as we all know, Ferguson is Hispanic and white. Ferguson's a, uh, pretty much predominantly a, last, a white last name, but he's got Mexican in him as well. And so he considers himself, I think, half, you know, half and half Mexican-American. He's El Cucuy for crying out loud. So he said that, and then he said, I'm going to kick this Dana white boy's ass or something like that. So then once he started saying that, okay, now it's moving towards being a, more of a racial thing. And that's, by the way, minor, I think, kind of, I think really the mistreatment of Tony Ferguson is where a lot of, a lot of this is uh, stewing for him. So I think what he's saying is, Hey, I won like 12 or 13 in a row or something like that. And yet I never got a title shot, which he did. He got a interim title. If you recall over Kevin Lee. And, but I think he's saying, well, still, we didn't need to get that far. I mean, I, I could have maybe had one at six or seven in a row or eight in a row, but he never really got one. Now, if we go back and look at the whole history of him and Habib, uh, uh, not only were they supposed to fight not for a title, but for a title. So attempts were made, but I get it. Nothing like Michael Chandler, who was the bat in his first fight. He was the backup for Gagey and Habib, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Gagey and Habib. If either one of those couldn't have gone, Chandler was ready to go. So the only person I can think of was Gil Melendez, who came straight from Strike Force, boom, into a title shot versus Benson Henderson. Everyone else has had to had a had to have a fight. I think Eddie Alvarez got Cowboy first, and you know whatever. Um, so Chandler shows up, makes weight. No fight was done because, as we all know, Gagey and Habib made weight and they fought. But then when the whole thing happened with trying to sort out McGregor and Poirier, and and is Habib going to come back or not? That's when they lined up Chandler versus Hooker and Poirier versus McGregor. And if anyone possibly impressed, maybe it was going to lure Habib back. Habib says that was never true. And then they wound up going with Oliveira uh, versus Chandler because Poirier didn't want to fight Chandler for the title. He also felt like he didn't deserve it. So anyway, I guess that's what Ferguson is saying is this, this white boy has gotten a lot of privilege from Dana White. Then, then now Chandler was asked about it afterwards, and he was saying, Yeah, he goes, Well, I'm his favorite fighter. He played along with it. He laughed along with it. But Tony, Tony Ferguson wasn't laughing. All right, goes, unpack all this. What did you think of that as you were listening to Ferguson and his comments and and then you know, kind of retracing to what what happened throughout his career? I think he's unreasonable. You know, Tony just plays by a different rule book that doesn't really make sense because I could see if you just want people to stop saying it. Okay, but you can't really come at somebody when it was your comment. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, he just doesn't know how to tackle situations, I think. And, and it comes off as him being kind of a dick. And um, as far as everything he said, man, I agree with a lot of stuff he said about the UFC. Uh, don't look for Tony Ferguson to be re-signed anytime soon. He said that they offered something, but I think that's probably going to be taken off the table here. Uh, but I don't know that there is this crazy life for Tony Ferguson outside of the UFC at the same time. So I, I, that's why I was talking about, like, I'd like to talk to a manager and just see. 
well, what opportunities are really out there for Tony Ferguson that he's missing out on? I think his best bet is just to win, stay in the UFC and win. But at the same time, I mean, I'd love to hear like how outrageous was this contract that they tried to throw at him? You know, was it really that disrespectful? Um, yeah, I really don't know. More than likely goes. See, this could be a two-hour show if we wanted it, but we're not going to do that. More than likely, they probably offered him a bump, but he's expecting a way bigger number, like all fighters. And the UFC just can't publicly say it, what I'm about to say, but they basically say, bro, we don't need you. If you want to sign it, great. We'd love to have you, but if not, we don't need you. We don't need anyone, man. It's not personal against Ferguson. We really don't need any of these cats. The three letters is what carries it. I used to even throw in Dana White was really their number one product, which which he was up until Connor and Ronda. But the UFC has just proven they can move along from everyone else, and a new star will be created, you know. And they they make a ton of money with or without those big huge pay per views. Those huge pay per views, all they are is gravy, man. That's all it is. They're a business that can make a ton of money, and again, unless the fighters collectively stand up and walk out. They have no leverage. One-on-one, zero leverage. So Tony Ferguson can go in there and say this and that. And maybe with a good manager, with great analytics, and a great pitch to what the next four fights will look like, yes, you can get your raise and maybe even a hefty raise. But otherwise, I think it's just a machine. They'll just go, look, man, you've had 20 fights. You've done this. But your age is this. Your last few fights have been this. This is what we're willing to give you. You know what I mean? And then they got to get to the next person because they got like 600 fighters. Um, But... If you go in there like a professional fighter with a fucking suit or at least great representation and sit down and establish this reputation that I'm a serious cat, I'm a serious prize fighter, I need more than your little five-minute pitch or 10-minute pitch or your email or whatever, you're going to sit down with me and talk to me for one hour and I'm going to show you why you should add an extra zero or you should give me more money then that's when you get their attention, in my opinion. I think in this sport, we still haven't gotten there yet. I'm not trying to blast the managers or the fighters because I bet you some of them have. But I bet you a lot of them, it's just a lot of them mail it in, you know. And I, and I think that's the, I think that's going to have to be the evolution of the game is, is, is you know, doing things differently. Like, like Michael Chandler, we'll use him for an example. He's always said, I met with Hunter and, and Dana, and we had this long talk. But if you listen to the way Chandler talks, <coughs> everyone says he should be a motivational speaker. Sometimes I feel like he carries on a little bit too long on an answer, but whatever. But he has ways of showing you, holy cow, we need to sign this guy because he may he may lose a, a, a big fight here and there, but he's won a fair, a fair amount, but he's also a great representation and we can we can work with that, you know what I mean? So anyway, uh with Ferguson goes, yeah, it was frustrating. He, you know, he he's the one that coined the phrase, and I bet you if we were to find the footage of when that happened, I bet you he laughed when everyone else laughed. He probably laughed along with it. Now all of a sudden it's not funny. And maybe he didn't laugh. Maybe I'm wrong. I I need to find the footage and see, but I bet you he laughed. Everybody laughed. But now what he's venting is his frustrations. And now here's something I was telling you yesterday after it happened. I remember this happened with Jose Aldo. Jose Aldo was mad at the UFC, man. I'm not getting paid enough or respected enough, blah, blah, blah. Then on fight week, they'd ask him, 
Hey, you got Dana White right next to you. Have you had a chance to talk about that? Pull him aside, tell him how you're feeling. And no, oh, no, I'm happy to fight for the UFC. They all puss out. You know, they uh, the the fighters like to kind of come at the media a lot. You know, you guys have never fought, and you guys have never been in that position. You don't know what it's like, you know, to bleed with another man. You know, they, they always throw that little thing around. Uh, it's not like they're wrong. I haven't been in the cage. You haven't been in the cage. Most 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 of the MMA media hasn't, but they like to do that. And then here comes the time when all of a sudden their boss is next to them and they maybe have a chance to say a lot of this. You notice, boy, does their attitude change and boy, are they chipper and well, yeah, yeah, we'll squash it later. <laughs> you know, whatever. But they're definitely not as confrontational as they can be when they're one on one. Why is that? Well, let's be let's be honest. The UFC are bullies. So I get it. You know, I get it. But at the same time, that doesn't mean you have to go out there and and, and be that way either use the media for your benefit don't come at the media being pissed off because someone came at you <coughs> that's my problem with all this and in their defense and this is something i learned from masvidal maybe this is something you don't do on fight week because your mind should be programmed for the fight that's why you don't fuck with people on fight week you know like you, you just kind of leave them alone uh but so maybe I get that in terms of Aldo and Ferguson. They're, they're cutting weight. They're moody or whatever. But it doesn't mean that you can't huddle up with them after the fight. Hey, Dana, I was wondering if you're going to be in Vegas this week. I'd like to hang back a few days and see you. Uh, or maybe tell them that early in the week before the fight. It doesn't have to get confrontational. Just look, a quick moment. Something, man. Something so that you can air it out in person and not over the media is all I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, it's real. I'll, I agree with you and disagree with you in a certain sense. I think they do need fighters, but they only it's all about timing. They need you at a specific time. And once you've, once you've got these couple of losses or whatever, you're no good to them anymore. But for that little time, they do need you. And that's how guys like Jorge Masvidal, guys like Gilbert Melendez, have been able to catch the UFC. Because they've caught them in those situations. Maybe even Francis Ngannou might be one of these guys. Where they can catch them and exploit them and take advantage of the UFC the same way the UFC took advantage of them. They need them for that moment, but they don't need fighters for their whole career. That's what fighters don't understand. Is They look at it as, I want to be a UFC guy for the rest of my life. They don't need you for the rest of your career. They just need you for a little moment in time. But in that moment in time is when you need to take advantage of them and you need to strike. Yeah, I would agree with that. Now, I will say this. I think the UFC could use a lot of fighters for the rest of their career. Claudia Gadelia apparently got some sort of a deal where she is some sort of a consultant. I think some of it has to do with Brazilian fighters, but she's within the company. Now, a lot of people don't know this, but she got a law degree in Brazil, so she's a pretty smart cookie. And she... You know, moved to Vegas years ago, and and I bet you she's in and out of that PI. And somewhere along the way, she probably, you know, said, "Hey, look, I, I love this sport and I love this company. I think I can help. And what can I do?" The same way Forrest Griffin did. Forrest Griffin got one of those checks, just like Matt Hughes and, and Chuck Liddell. Except, guess what? He started just showing up to work, and he said, "Make me an office. I want to do something here. I'm not going to just sit on my couch and do nothing just because at one time I was a great prize fighter. Some some have been able to pull that off." And go on and do other things, but I think he, I think he was realistic and said, "I'm not Tyson, you know. I, I, I'm not one of these people that I think can just 
go off of my celebrity. So he went out there and, you know, he's now he's a vice president, you know, with the company. He's been to China and he's helped open up PIs. He runs the community development here in in uh, Las Vegas. And then when they need a, a face from time to time, he, you know, he, he's out there. He He's he doing it. Think, a, huh? He kind of hosts tough now. He hosts tough this this season for sure. Matt Sarah, he's part of Dana White looking for a fight. He hosts the UFC Unfiltered podcast. By the way, are, are they still doing that one? I don't hear it too often. I think they are, but I, I haven't heard much about it lately. Yeah. yeah. Well, but he's in there. You know what I mean? And if you're in there, you're, you know, you got some benefits, you got some privileges and um, so I think a lot of fighters, if they really played their cards right and they wanted to be with the UFC, they could be. But it requires, how can I put it to you, man? It requires some humility, some hard work, some hustle. And a lot of them just don't want to put them in because everyone feels like because I reach this high level, I'll always be at that high level. And you won't always be at that high level. And other sports should have taught you that. Do you not see other fighters or sorry, other athletes that signed way bigger bonuses that you ever did or cash way bigger checks than you ever did still working, you know, or, or maybe even some of them sadly struggling, like, come on, man, you know, but they're, they're fed this by promoters, you know, like, oh, he's got enough money to retire. No, he doesn't, you know, he can, as long as he has other things working for him. Sure. But. I, I, I don't often see that a lot of athletes, you know, are able to pull that off. Anyway, back to Ferguson. I really hope that uh, he's okay. – somebody asked him, are him and Chandler safe? And there's an article on Junkie that says they're safe going into UFC 274. But I think that question was based more off performance. Because Chandler's 1-2 and two in the UFC. If he loses to Ferguson, he'd be 1-3. and three. And Ferguson's lost three in a row, I believe. So if he loses, he will have lost four in a row. I think Dana White was saying they're safe going into this fight now are they safe because of how vocal he's being well i don't know he dana white does say we let our fighters talk but man he was calling them a drug dealer and stuff that's going to be all over the the mainstream and they can cut you off a loss tony said i still have a lot of fights actually on my contract but when you're coming off a loss you can always be cut so that one remains to be seen you know if the ufc wants to even handle that one um I did want to say one other thing that you brought up. You said fighters need to be available, and it's true. But the one thing I found out is the UFC does have this one conscience. People are going to laugh at that. I'll let them laugh for a couple seconds. But the UFC does have a conscience in this regard. I think they really do want to give you a pretty decent card, starting with the main event. And then after that, hopefully a solid coming event. And then look, after that, they're just feeling contractual duties, trying to give you nice matchups because that's where they know, Hey, look, you showed up. There's going to be some blood spilled. Shut up. You're going home happy. And it's usually true. Cause there are some pay- fight nights where you're like, what the fuck? And honestly, I, I know this because when I have to do the rankings on Sunday, I'm like, Oh, I'm not really, there's not really as much to do here as in other weeks when there's like 15, 17 ranked fighters, like pay-per-views. And that's when I can tell the talent level of a uh, of a card, right? So I think in good conscience, they try goes, but then there's sometimes where they just go, here you go. 
You know, here's Andrade and Lemos. I mean, we got we got treated to a nice standing stand up guillotine. Or, 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 sorry, arm triangle. Okay, cool. By a former champ who doesn't speak a lick of English, but in reality, like, come on, man, that that's not Muhammad versus Luke on paper. Definitely sounds a lot better. You know what I'm saying? And this isn't a, a misogynistic thing. It, I mean, there's a lot of female fights that can headline. I get that. But I don't think those are, are those are two of them. Now cards fall apart, and that's why I think the UFC just goes, "Hey, man, we tried. That's it. We're going with this. Where the UFC take it or leave it." No. Two good ones were signed, though. If if I may just mention them, and then I'll, I think we got to talk the ball out here in a second. Uh, Fizia and RDA are going to go at it. Goes so that's good. That's Remember nice. they were going to yeah. go at it. Uh, that's a solid headliner for a fight night. Here's another solid headliner for a fight night. Thiago Santos versus Jamal Hill. So Hill versus Santos is on August 6th. And Fizia versus RDA is on July 9th. July 9th is one week after International Fight Week. And then the one on August 6th, I kn- I just know it's not a pay-per-view. But that's your headliner, Santos versus Hill. And by the way, Santos has really lost a little bit of steam. He better bring it, man, for Jamal Hill because, you know, at one point he was one judge's scorecard away from being a world champ and given the first loss to John Jones, and since then it hasn't been too great. Um, I need him for my fantasy fighting league. Santos? No, Hill. He's Hill. my light heavyweight. All right, so I think we've – Talked about that. We, we can come back to 274 in just a second, but let's talk to Bilal Muhammad, who obviously has, wears a lot of hats. You see him on the analyst desk for UFC events, and he fights, man. He's one of the top fighters in the welterweight division for the Ultimate Fighting Championship. A couple weeks ago, he avenged the loss to Vicente Luque. He defeated Vicente Luque. They're now one and one. So let's give him some props. What is going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes are back with another MMA superstar. This time it's UFC welterweight and ESPN analyst, Bilal Muhammad. Remember that name, folks, because this cat has been waltzing through that welterweight division. He's won his last seven fights that he's participated in. And uh, some of them have been some tough, tough specialists, some ranked fighters, and now he's a title contender. Hello, Bilal. How are you? Good. How are you guys doing? Good, man. So a few weeks removed, but uh, still, congrats on your latest win. You are now even. You've even the score versus Vicente Luque, and you showed some real true honesty afterwards. Man, this thing really haunted you more than we had thought it did. Uh, you kind of kept that a little bit to yourself. You shared it, uh, but but I don't think as deep down as after the fight when you said, hey, man, this guy taking me out back in 2016, that one stung. Yeah, yeah, honestly, it was one of those things, like, like I said, I, I've been in so many fights, never been knocked out before, never been uh, put out like that. And uh, it was just one of those things where I'm like, man, like I've came so far from that fight, grown so much, and I'm literally right there on the edge of fighting for the title. And I'm like, they offer you the same guy that knocked you out. And you're like, 
man, does the UFC want me to lose? Like, why, like, why are they giving me this guy for? Like, what's, what's the, why you guys offer me this guy? Then you, you, you go back in your head and you're like, you know what? Let's get that one back. Let's get that one back. Then it gets close to fight week. And then you're like, man, did I just do all this? And what if he just has that unnatural power? Where he just knocks you out. And it just, you know, it just keeps replaying in your head, replaying in your head. And you're like, man, it, it was, it was tough. It was like one of the, there's a lot of mental hurdles I had to get through to, uh, get over to get through this fight and make it to the cage, honestly. And that on the heels of the UFC dealing you two of the toughest hands they can deal you, specialists like Damian Maya, who wants to hit the ground versus Damian Maya, and then Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, one of the toughest guys to hit on the feet. So you don't, you'd have probably every right to think, did I piss someone off behind the scenes or what's the deal here? But you got past all three, man. Yeah, honestly, when you look back at it, and you look at all the guys that those guys have fought. Though every one of their opponents would be like, man, they're the toughest test. They're a hard puzzle. They're a crazy puzzle. And uh, they're also like legends of the sport. They both competed for the title twice. And you look at me and you're like, like, what specialty do I have? Uh, and then you start getting the hate and things like that. And people are not expecting you to win. Then you go out there and win. Then it must be that those guys are, are old or they don't look as good. So then people are just trying to keep, come up with an excuse because there's nothing – outrageous about me so there's no way that i'm just that good that i could just naturally beat these guys and then uh you know everybody's telling you that same thing so then you're like all right well i beat him then i beat one boy better than anybody else and excuses built on that and then now for luke now there's no excuses honestly but people are still looking for them finding them like oh well he's just boring there's nothing he can't, he can't win uh he wouldn't brawl with him he won't he won't go fist for fist with him and i'm like bro I, I just started to let it go, and I just let it get past me. And I'm like, you know what? Regardless, they're going to look for excuses. They're going to look for reasons for me to lose. And uh, all I can do is just keep winning. Well, I hope you have brushed aside that criticism and at least have accepted, you know, and, and been happy about the results because those are three tough MFers. And, again, seven fights without a loss in a row. You are in a prime position. You know, the call-out made sense. Um, or actually all the names you tied yourself next to. <laughs> Shemaev, Colby, whoever, whoever uh, wants it, you know, can come and get it. But now that a few weeks have played out, who do you think is looking like a likely opponent? Is there someone in the lead here? Honestly, I, you, you never know with the UFC because, like, some of their stuff really doesn't make sense. If you look at it, me and Shemaev make the most sense. The, if you're looking at the, the division of the top five, the guys who haven't fought Usman, it's just me and him. The guys who, who fought him before – Gilbert and Kobe, they've already they Kobe's fought him twice, so there's really no point of either one of us fighting Kobe right now. You can just have us two fight each other, and the winner fights for the title next. Like that makes the most sense. But then now you, I've seen you've seen rumors that it's going to be Chimaev and Nate Diaz, which doesn't make oh, any sense man. at all. Really? Yeah, there's I saw tweets about it now, and I'm looking at it like really. So is it? I mean, well, honestly, the last two guys I think that beat Nate Diaz fought for the title, so. They fought for the about three titles, so I think they're trying to get. They're going to keep that path going. Hopefully, Chimaev goes in there, walks through him, and they're going to want to give him a title shot. So for me, that tells me that Kobe's wide open. That leaves an opening for us too. But he's talking about he got brain damage, and uh, I'm thinking that he's going to play that off for a little bit, and not fight for maybe a year. So I don't know nowadays, man. I I'm lost with what, what like for me, Chimaev made the most sense. That that was the one that really made sense. Uh, and if they make this Nate Diaz one, that doesn't make any sense at all. 
Are you interested at all in being a backup to Edwards and Usman? I mean, I would. I'd rather be like on the card with them. Uh, I wouldn't want to just make weight just uh just uh just to make weight. Uh, like if I if I'm on a card with them, I'd rather have that. I'll be on the same card, and then if one of them end up pulling out, I'll hop in that way because. If you're really thinking about it, like if it ends up, if I do end up fighting Shamayev or something, like training for him would be the same as training for uh, Usman. And then I don't really need to train anything special for Leon because Leon sucks. So, like, it won't need to be anything special for me to just hop in on one of those two. All right. So, to be clear, you do have a, you would do it, but you have a preference of fighting someone on the same card, is, is what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Um, you've interviewed, you know, you, now you've been behind the desk and part of the media world for a while. Have you ever interviewed someone in that position that was a sub? And whether you want to tell us everything that they may have told you or not, what can you share, man? Because my theory is this. Yeah, it's probably an easy payday because you're probably just going to weigh in and not fight. Plus, you do the UFC a solid, you know, they bump your fist. But in the end, if your turn gets called, are you really the most prepared physically and more important mentally for the biggest fight of your life? Did you really, really think, you know, it was going to be you? You know what I mean? Like, I feel like a lot of fighters just go through the motion and lose the weight and they're there if they need them, but they're not the 100% best. What are your thoughts now that you've kind of been around fighters for so long? You're a top of the heat fighter within your division and you've probably interviewed fighters in this boat. I mean, yeah, like you said, I feel like, it, you need to get a hunger for it, and I, and then for me, for to get my first title shot to to get a chance at it, like I want it, I'd want it to be legit. Where I know for eight weeks, that's all I'm focused on. That's all. That's the person that's on my mind. I know for eight weeks, I'm gonna have it. But like like I said, for for me, I, I'd want it to, I'd want it that way. But if I have to take it the the other way, I would do it because obviously, making weight for a paycheck, I wouldn't be mad at. It. I don't I don't really cut a lot of weight anyway, but. Like motivation wise, it would be like you don't know when you're gonna get your shot. So like if I if it, I end up doing it that way and I wasn't motivated the whole camp, and then all of a sudden I do get a quick step up, and then something does go wrong. I don't I don't look good at in the cage against uh, Usman because I wasn't training really that hard for it. Like you're never gonna get that shot again, or like it's it's taking me this long to get that shot. Like regardless, I mean. If I if they do put me in that position, I know that mentally I'm gonna train hard enough to do it. And uh, uh, like you saw, Luke, Luke was the the backup for the 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 Madison Square card, and uh, yeah. he missed weight. So like maybe he got to the point where like he just wasn't motivated for that fight. I never really talked to him about it, but like you're missing weight, and then that's your only job is to make weight. That just tells me that like you're like yeah. There's the uh, I've seen both guys today. They're they're both gonna fight. Uh, so like I, I don't want to have that mentality, honestly. Yeah. So Bilal, those two names that were brought up here, Covington, Shamayev, um, those two names, which do you think is the tougher fight of the two? The tougher fight of the two, I think, would be Shamayev. Uh, for me, I, I think Kobe just beats guys based off of uh, cardio, and I think I got good enough cardio to, to keep up with them. Uh, Shamayev, as you've seen in his last fight, I think that his weakness is cardio, but his strength is power. Kobe, uh, Kobe doesn't really have power or anything special on the ground or anything that's scary at all. Shamayev, obviously, he had that one-punch power, and he showed that he has uh, a chin, too, against Gilbert. So uh, I think he would definitely be the tougher test of the two. I'm going to try and think outside the box a little bit here for a second. 
there's been a little bit of debate going on. People have been talking about Conor McGregor and who his next opponent could be. And one name that doesn't get brought up is yours, even though it is in the mix. And we all believe it's because it's probably a bad matchup for him. Um, but George reminded me of a post he put on Instagram that made us crack up that said, his vision will be Dublin when he feels these pop proper 10. And we started thinking about it and we go, well, what if that fight were brought to your attention? Um, you know, you're kind of in a prime spot right now, but would you take a fight like that? Is that something that, that would interest you? Hey, and before oh. you answer, we're not calling you a tune-up because I know that yeah. word, that phrase has been thrown around. We're not, we're not throwing it out there like that. <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, I would take that fight in a heartbeat. Obviously, you're going to – the, the payday is different when you're fighting a McGregor, and he, he's not in a position, honestly, to, to like to fight anybody and consider it a tune-up because I think that he's not at that level no more. He's not at that uh, – he's untouchable. He's the kind of McGregor of the old uh, guy who had that one-punch power, and he's so good. Uh, he's not there. I don't think he's ever going to get there again. I, like, he hasn't won a fight in five years, so, like, there isn't really a tune-up fight for him. I think that he'll have a tough time fighting Cerrone right now. Uh, so if you if he actually does want to come up to 170, it would make sense. And it'll be I think it'll be a fun build-up because uh, we we have gone back and forth on Twitter and stuff like that. But like for and if, for him to keep tweeting out like oh you know I'm gonna be fighting for Usman for the title. I think like I said I think he's he's an att attention whore. That's what he he loves when he's not getting any attention. He has all the money in the world right now, so the only thing he doesn't have is attention because he's not winning fights. Nobody cares about you unless you're winning fights. So that's why he tweets out random, oh, I'll fight him. Oh, let me fight for the 55 title. Let me decide which one I want to fight for. And because he knows people are going to tweet about it and talk about it, and that's all he really wants is attention. I don't think that he actually really wants to fight. So let's say – let's forecast a little bit. If this interview were taking place in November, December, what would we be talking about right now? November, December of next year? This year. Oh, this year? Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I think we're going to be talking about probably my next title fight. I think that, I, like, I'll probably get, after my next fight for sure, it's going to be fighting for the title no matter what. Okay. Then, it, I, I mean, it depends on if, for for me, I'm trying to think of when Usman's actually going to fight. And if you're looking at it, they haven't booked that fight. They've, they've said it. They brought it up. But it's been months. And like I said, I think that his hand's more injured than he's letting on. And I think that people keep re-injuring their hand with that type of injury I've heard before. Uh, so I really think that he's not going to be fighting until later on in the year. And if that if that's the case, a fight with me and Leon does really make a lot of sense. If you're Leon, I would want to stay active and fight instead of making my first fight, well, my second fight in like two years to be only – Kamaru Usman, my other fight being Nate Diaz. So you're coming off a of Nate Diaz win to Kamaru Usman. And for if I'm Leon, it's like, that's what you want to go fight your title fight off of, uh, a Nate Diaz fight? So uh, it really doesn't make any sense if I'm Leon. But uh, if that's the case, I think that I'm going to have one more fight then fight for the title maybe at the end of this year or the start of next year. By the way, what kind of a world do we live in? I was just thinking we have a proper champion at 170. Tons of contenders with different styles, veterans, younger guys, specialists, you name it, up-and-comers. And yet Nate might fight Shemaev and Usman might fight McGregor. Um, I mean, these are guys that are really more 
55ers. And these are two guys that if you lock them up, they could sell 2 million pay-per-views and headline the stadium show. I don't understand why they're bugging with you guys at 170. It's, you know, it's obviously the the business part of it. I think it's more so Nate doesn't want to re-sign his contract. He probably wants the the Poirier fight right now. They're probably like, yo, you you either want to sign a a longer contract with us or your last fight in your contract will be Chmayev. And Nate's probably at the point now where he's like, you know what, fudge it. Let me just get this fight over with, fight Chmayev, then fight uh, Jake Paul after this. Because I feel like that's all he wants to do is get one more, get out, and then go fight boxing or somewhere one of the YouTubers and then get paid big over there. Yeah, that probably is it. Um, all right. So just a couple more here. Um, tell me about Ramadan and fighting during the month of Ramadan, which was April 1st to May 1st. I believe the fast broke a few days ago and uh, you fought. Now, as I know it, it's no water intake or food intake from sun up to sundown is there any form of um exceptions or were you did you work around that for not only your nutrition and during the camp but also you know fight day uh yeah no so i fasted all the way up until the the last two days before the the fight so the the weight cut uh and then the the fight day i I did it fast but up until then i did and it was uh like i've gone through full camps before in ramadan where I'm still training two or three times a day while fasting. And I, like I said, like I tell everybody, it's like after your first three days, your body kind of gets used to it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then it's just making sure that at night uh, before sunrise, I'm just putting the right stuff in, in my body. Like I have to like maintain my weight. So it's, I'm eating, I have to eat stuff that's easily digestible. Like these last two weeks have been fun because my mom's, you know, I'm fasting the whole time. And then I know my mom's going to cook a, amazing meal at the end but uh the first two weeks it was terrible because i'm sitting there training and then when it's time to eat my mom's freaking making a, a, a master dish and i'm out here eating like chicken salad and uh eating being depressed but uh you know like i said i think it sometimes it it, it just helps me stay focused and uh just gets my my head right where i'm not sitting there overthinking the fight or anything thing like that but yeah i think this is never again am I taking another fight during Ramadan because this time it affected my weight cut. Uh, we literally had to be in the sauna probably for an extra like 45 minutes because it just wasn't, it was like just stuck on. Uh, and then he said, yeah, probably your body was just trying to hold on to everything because it thought you were going to start fasting again. Wow. That's crazy. But yeah, I mean, it probably would be a month to avoid um, for sure. You know, so much is involved with the way you water load, you know, for the fighters that want to lose weight eventually later in the week and, Obviously, you have to work around that, but just staying hydrated, five-round fight, a lot went into it, and you got past it. And another adversity I saw was rounds one and two, if I'm not mistaken. Wrestling was definitely in play, and in round three, there was some time. There was uh, It looked like Luke gained some confidence um, either from stuffing a takedown or getting up from a takedown, and a lot of people thought maybe the tide might turn, but you showed you still had another gear, but do you remember that, like, he kind of overcame adversity, but then you overcame the adversity of meeting him head on, you know, when he thought the fight might be turning. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that, that third round was big. It was like, he hit me with something. I don't know what it was, but like, I couldn't see the whole rest of the third round. And I was like, what the? yeah, I went back to the corner. I was like, what the fudge? Is, is there blood in my eye? Then, uh, shout out to Tate. Cause he was like, uh, the cup man. He was like, no, no, your eyes good. Stop rubbing it. Stop rubbing it. The doctor's going to look at it. And I was like, all right. And I literally couldn't see out of my eye. Uh, it's like, you can still, still red. Oh wow! 
Yeah, right now. Uh, I couldn't see for the rest of the, like the, the last two rounds. And I was like, what the fudge is going on? And I was like, all right, whatever. He's got to get it. Uh, so that's what I'm like. It was more so like just trying to get get my head right of uh, trying to get, get in my Bisbing mode of fighting with one eye. And then uh, <laughs> uh, by the fourth round, I was like, all right, we, we came this far. We're not going to let it slip out of our hands. Uh, and I just think it made me better. Have you followed up on the eye injury? Are you, are you okay? Yeah, yeah. Right now, that's what I'm wearing. Uh, shout out to Zane Malik, my shades. Uh, I just got them dilated, so it's like blurry right now. Uh, but yeah, there's just like blood in the eye right now. It's, he said it'll clear up probably within a week. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, your fight's over two weeks old, and you're still dealing with that. But uh, I'm glad you got it under control. And uh, just a couple more questions here. How about you sitting at the desk? You know, you we, we've joked around, I feel, about, man, maybe the UFC doesn't like me. They obviously think a lot about you because you are on that analyst desk. And honestly, I think a lot of people just find you pretty funny, charming, clever. But tell me, working the desk, do you think that can be an advantage? Because, see, you can insert your name into a lot of narratives when welterweights are fighting or these fighters that want to, you know, be a welterweight, like, like a McGregor or a Diaz. Or do you find like maybe you have to back off so people won't say, "Oh, he's abusing his role as an analyst by always inserting his name." Yeah, you know, I, have, I haven't gone to the point where, uh, well, luckily I haven't gone to the point where I, like I worked a big welterweight fight or anything like that. Where you know you had that uh, Kamara Usman and Kobe moment when when they were like, arguing when Kamara was working the desk. Uh, but I feel like there has been points where like I was working the desk and Conor McGregor uh, started talking trash on Twitter about it. Uh, so like in that case, Hey, bring it on. Like talk all the trash you want. If it's going to create something with us, I'm fine with it. But I, I do think it's an advantage just in like mindset wise and like IQ fight IQ. Like I feel like I had the best IQ in the UFC and it's based off just watching so many fights and, uh, just seeing, uh, like I, I I'm watching, I'm going to be working the desk. Uh, well not the desk this weekend, uh, the way, the way in show this week, uh, and just like watching the fighters this week. Uh, you you pick up things from all these fighters, pick up new new uh, uh, little tricks and things, and I feel like that's what's so good about my style is I always bring something new to the table. Like I said, I fought a Maya where I had to defend so many takedowns, and you know I didn't I wasn't gonna shoot on Maya. Then I fought a Wonder Boy who's such a good striker that I had to shoot on him and take him down. Then I fought a Luke where you saw both where I'm using my striking, my footwork, and then I'm also changing levels and taking you down at all points. Uh, so I think that. Every single fight, I'm bringing something new to the table and keep evolving every fight just based off of all the studying that I do and all the uh, analyst work that I do. All right. And being the superstar that you are, obviously, you're tougher to book nowadays. So I'm just going to take a couple minutes of overtime, get a couple <laughs> last questions, and who knows when we'll talk to you again. But um, I want to go back to McGregor. Uh, you mentioned him here in this last answer. What if you were to say, all right, tough guy, you know what? I, I can't get Usman right away, so I want to get another welterweight contender. But the only thing is, is you're going to lean on that wrestling stuff. I like to throw hands. I want to put on a show. W would you Would you kind of gentleman's agreement say, let's throw hands? Or or it is MMA. You're welcome to use your wrestling and beat someone up doing that. But I know a lot of strikers like to play that game. So I'm, I guess I'm prepping you for what an angle somebody could take with you. I I'd, I'd love to do that. Like I feel like if that that was the case, it end up being like the Diaz fight, where my volume and pace would be too much for him. He gasses after the first round, so you get past the first round with him, and I don't think that he's going to carry that power to one seventy. Like I said, I just don't think he's the same guy that he was. If he knocked out maybe Eddie Alvarez, but other than that, he hasn't really rocked anybody with his power. 
uh, that that's been higher than 55. So I wouldn't be afraid of it. I've I've fought some of the best uh, strongest strikers at 170. So yeah, if it ends up being a kickboxing match, I'll be happy to oblige them. There we go. Um, who is the Ken Jennings of Remember the Show? You know, <laughs> do you know who Ken Jennings is? First of yeah. all, okay. Who's, yeah, is there anyone that's either been a repeat guest that just kills it, or one guy or gal that was on your show and just killed the other one? Eric Nixon is a beast. Eric Nixon has come on the show twice. He's dominated both uh, both times. Uh, but also, uh, Aaron Bronstetter, he came on the show. And he just he like knew every single answer so easily. So I think I'm gonna have a champion show because Jared Gordon's been on my show twice, uh, and he's been a repeat champion too. So yeah, I think I need to have a, one of those uh, uh, champions brackets. Well, I think television says May is sweeps week, so or something like that. The last week in May, you know, before they go take the summer off. Uh, so yeah, maybe you should do something soon and just get the maybe the top four, or the top eight, and and bring some champions back or at least some of the the toughest contenders, right? It's it's funny now because now I'm starting to get like you said now my name's getting higher. I'm starting to get uh, replies from people I messaged a year ago. Like I messaged Karate Hottie like two years ago, and she like just messaged back right now. Like, oh hey, sorry, just saw your message. Yeah, I'll be down to come on the show. And I'm like, oh thanks, appreciate you. So now if I start getting all those random people that I messaged a, a year ago, I'll have guest uh, lists filled for the next uh, three or four months. <laughs> Wait till you're champ. <laughs> then you're gonna get uh, you're gonna get all the uh, mainstream. So uh, Hollywood celebs wanted to play <laughs> Halle Berry. You got to line up Halle Berry against GSP or something. Hey, like I got these glasses from Zayn Malik. So maybe I'll get him on the show. I'm, I'm getting to the A-list celebrities now. There you <laughs> go. All right. Just a couple more real quick. Who's on your welterweight Mount Rushmore? My welterweight Mount Rushmore. Uh, GSP, obviously. Um, yeah, I would put uh, T. Woodley. Um, I would put uh Matt Hughes, and then I would put maybe BJ Penn, just because that that one fight. But that's the best um, place right now. No Usman. No, he he ain't gonna. Getting that respect until he beats me. Oh wow! And if you're looking at it, like I tell people, I'm like, people keep saying, "Oh man, he's he one of the best welterweights ever of all time." I'm like, he's being Kobe twice, he's being Masvidal twice, and he's being Gilbert. Those are just three guys. It's not like he's gone through seven or eight different uh, uh, opponents. I mean, I think I'm respect is the champion. He's staying busy, but you're you're fighting rematches before you're you're giving other guys a chance to match up against you. So you only give him kind of credit for for three, for three yeah. title defenses a little bit because he does have five title defenses. That's pretty impressive. Um, but yeah, I'm giving him, I'm giving him three just because the two of them are the same guy. Okay, so then you it sounds like to me you still think GSP is the best welterweight ever. Then by the answer to this question, yeah, got it. All right, well, interesting. Um, but hey, uh, that, everyone answers it differently, and we got to respect the answer. Um, Bilal, man, it's always great to catch up with you. Even before we started taping, we were joking about Chicago teams, and he's a big sports fan, and uh, he was telling us about a recent outing. What did you say? The Bulls blew someone out by thirty, or you guys got blown out by thirty? What was that again? <laughs> oh man, it was, it was a sad playoff game for us. 
a lot of uh, uh, a lot of our guys had COVID that day. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right, man. Well, hey, always great to talk to you. Um, I know one thing for sure: the next fight's going to be tremendous. It's going to be a huge fight, and it, it's probably the type of fight where if you win that one, you'll be looking at a title shot. So, um, congrats, man. That's quite a run you're on versus a lot of tough fighters. 21 and three overall, and then killing it on the analyst desk. Congrats on your overall, your career in mixed martial arts. Thanks brother. Appreciate you guys. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. All right, bro. And I failed to mention another hat that he wears goes, and that's that of a podcast host. Remember the show. Uh, pretty interesting that our boy, Eric Nixick is kind of the Ken Jennings of remember the show. I could see that. Yeah, I could see. That. I mean, he's just surrounded with MMA all day. And it's not just uh, UFC, you know. He, he wears the PFL hat, the Bellator hat. So, yeah, I can see it. Who was the other one? He said Aaron Bronstead is pretty tough. Yeah. Nice. Good mm-hmm. stuff. Always fun to catch up with the bully. And uh, hopefully you enjoyed that. And hopefully you enjoy UFC 274 on Saturday. Goes and I are going to be hosting a watch-along, like we mentioned earlier in the show. Saturday night, you know, some may be catching this for the first time. What's a watch along? It's basically like a fight companion, like what Joe Rogan did back in the day where he'll watch the fights with you. Now, usually he's at these pay-per-views, so you don't really see him do it for that. He used to do it for the non-pay-per-views, but I think he's kind of gotten out of that as well. He hasn't done as many of those lately. Um, Stand-up comedian, popular podcasts. I think he's just done with it, but there's a lot of, there's other ones out there. I probably shouldn't be saying that, but there is, but We've been doing ours for a while now in conjunction with our friends at Panda and now Typical Sportsbook. And so shout out to them, USA Today Sports. I think we, we've been pretty consistent. And uh, it's a lot of fun. We have a Twitter feed, you know, for us to – for you to share your public thoughts and we can see them. And, and uh, we have a chat room as well where we can correspond back and forth. We have the live odds provided by Typico. And then we'll share our personal uh, bets that we've made for the day. And, you know, we're like you. We're drinking and eating and just laughing and having a good time watching the bets together at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific for the fights, the the prelim fights. And then later on when the pay-per-view starts, obviously some people may choose to order the pay-per-view. Some people may choose not to. But if you don't, Still, listen to us, and we'll tell you live exactly what's happening. Uh, two title fights, a great featured bout with Chandler and, and, and Ferguson, and, and so the two title fights are Rose Namajunas defending her strawweight title against Carlos Sparza, and in the main event, you have Charles, Charles Oliveira defending his UFC lightweight title against Justin Gagey. So join us on Saturday again, May 7th. should be really, really a good time. And then now that I think about it, Mother's Day is the next day. So in case I forget, happy early Mother's Day to anyone that listens to the show that's a mother or to anyone that's going to be spending time with their mother. Please wish them a happy birthday or sorry, happy Mother's Day on our behalf. Mm-hmm. Happy early Mother's Day to our mom as well. Yeah. All right, goes. Uh, any final thoughts? Did you see anything from any of the other interviews? I know there's a press conference today. There's the official weigh-ins tomorrow. I'm sure there'll be a shove here and there people running into each other but but have you seen or anything else you want to talk about anything else i think fighters have done a pretty good job on this card to make you really interested in what's what's going to happen chandler and ferguson i think have done really well i think even Oliveira and gagey have kind of uh gotten out of their shells a little bit osp who never says anything 
uh, had a nice little quote. Joe Lazon, so it, and Cowboy breaking down. I mean, it, it's it's been pretty interesting. So I'm fired up to do the watch along with you, and, and hopefully you guys come out, man. It's such a good time. There's a lot of people chatting in our chat room. Uh, we're making bets. We're drinking beer. It's fun. So definitely hope you guys tune in. That. Hey, it goes. Here's one thing I've wondered though. I was watching Embedded this week, and because I'm a hardcore fan, of course I love it and I'm into it. But there are times where I just wonder if, how can I phrase this? So the new fans that have yet to find our sport or warm up to our sport that are like regular dudes, we'll say. I wonder, or even regular gals, I wonder if if that show, like Gage, he's such a, he's such a beast that you you respect him pretty much because he's just a beast fighting and so is Oliveira. but do you ever watch him and go hey man i'd love to hang out with that guy at a happy hour or at the ball game like i i find a lot of these fighters outside of mma i i, I find that i wouldn't find them too interesting i think it'd be fun to golf with justin gagey but i, I other than that i don't know that i want to take in a dodgers game with them or He's fun. Let's say him and I are both single. I don't know that I'd want to go, hey, man, let's go chase some tail. Like, I, I don't know. I, I find like a lot of them, I just, you fight well, but see ya. Let me know when you fight again. I don't know that I want to hang out with them. Like, at, at March Madness from 8 a.m. till 8 p.m. Oh, no, no, no. You see what I'm saying? They're, yeah. I don't find they're them not wired that way. That, yeah. I don't find them as interesting that way. Yeah. They're not wired that way. So I could see that. But after his fight with Palomino, we got to, have drinks with him, sit down and talk to him. And, and that was fun. He, he's a fun guy. He's fun to talk to, but you're right. Yeah. Like an all day thing. I, I don't know. Well, because another thing is this, not too much, like, like Bilal, I'll hang out with Bilal. He strikes me as someone that'd be cool to go to a bulls game with, or funny to go watch a movie with, or grab a bite to eat or whatever. But a lot of fighters, they're so immersed in MMA, like, like we are, except they're only immersed in MMA. So then you find yourself like, Okay, we're going to talk about your career and this and that and maybe a couple stories or some gossip or whatever. But in reality, let's pivot a little bit. Like, boy, man, you know, you believe what Damian Lillard just signed with, with the the Blazers? And it's like, this tumbleweed is just going to go across the table. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know. Uh, I, I wonder if I, I need to see them more in settings like Gaethje golfing. Um, I, I, I do like to see the, the training footage, but we can see that in the countdown and we can follow that on Instagram. I, I, I heard, I heard Kayla Harrison said, no one ever asked me about my foundation. See, I, I would like to see the embedded follow them. And I realize it's fight week, but what's the top golf would be cool. Like, see them in kind of like in a normal setting, you know, like just doing something. Um, I don't know if that means get there a few days early. Cause obviously they're focused on maybe, maybe there's a dumb suggestion. They're focused on their weight cut or whatever. But when Gaethje did the golf, I thought that was pretty cool. Let's see what his game's like. Let's see what his swings like or whatever. Um, and also what do you think of these Airbnbs? Eh, you think I, the fighters are maybe missing out on a great experience of the fighter hotel yeah, I bet you a lot of businesses conducted at fighter hotels. You run into the matchmakers and, or, you know, whatever. A lot of the power players. Dana White goes usually to another hotel. But 
I mean, I wonder if some business opportunities and some fan interaction you miss, you know? Yeah, when it's like T-Mobile and all that, you know, like I, there's something about being on the strip and seeing your posters all over the place. I think it's got to probably pump you up a little bit. But I guess sometimes fighters just need to be removed from those situations. If you're only on Twitter and someone's saying, man, you suck, I want to bone your mom, and you know, then yeah, you're going to go, hey, fans suck. But if you're ever at a fighter hotel, fuck man the coolest fans are there you know that they want your autograph and they talk to you and they can pull you aside for a moment pre or post fight i think that's an experience that i think a lot of fighters are missing out on because they're just basically trying to isolate themselves and oh yeah i've reached that level and that's i don't think that's anything the other guys used to do like maybe couture because he lived in vegas but liddell i think if he came and the fights were at the mgm he was at the mgm you know anyway all right all right, folks, we're going to bounce on out of here. Enjoy the fights this weekend. Don't forget, there's PFL on Friday. There's Bellator on Friday. And then there's UFC on Saturday. A lot of great fighters are going to be fighting this weekend. Ryan Bader, Chuck Congo, Yal Romero, Kayla Harrison, Ray Cooper, Anthony Pettis, and then everyone that you know that's on the UFC fight card. So check it out um, and keep it locked on MMA Junkie as well because we got you covered for all of them, and we'll talk to you on Monday. Oh, no, we'll talk to you on Saturday for the watch-along. And as far as the podcast goes, we'll come in and reflect on Monday. Folks, enjoy the weekend. Again, happy Mother's Day to everybody out there that uh, will get the chance to celebrate that, or if you're a mother yourself, and we'll talk to you soon. 